0: Good morning, how are we all? Don't even think about getting quiet on me now. It's a great day. We're continuing a series we launched last week called Life Hacks. And this very phrase, it's not that it uh, necessarily talks about something that's new, but certainly the language, life hacks, uh, is something that's entered our vocabulary. And you'll see websites and YouTube videos dedicated to life hacks. And really, I think the, the best way to describe a life hack is, is a simple and clever solution to a very annoying problem. And so I've been thinking about a couple of life hacks this morning. I wanna... Uh, Gift you with some solutions um, how many of you have a uh, if I was nice i'd call it a miscellaneous drawer in your house but let's be honest let's call it a junk drawer How many have a junk drawer and junk drawer is where uh, keys that no longer open locks in your house go to uh, that you'll never use again um, knickknacks things that your kids may be dragged home go into the the miscellaneous junk drawer I bet you though you also have a few batteries floating around in your junk drawer and the thing about about just dropping batteries into your junk drawer, if that's what you choose to do, is when you need a new battery, you open up the junk drawer, you are not sure which ones are still working and which ones are not, unless of course, and all the boys know this, it's a nine volt battery, in which case you go, uh, you put on your tongue and if it gives you a little buzz, it's still working, but you can't do that for all the other batteries. So here's a life hack. Here's a life hack. You grab a battery and you find a hard surface and you take that battery and you hold it about 15 centimetres above the hard surface and you drop it. If it bounces once, it's still good. But if it bounces multiple times, it's actually dead. All right, I'm telling you, I'm not done yet. I mean, look, I could be done now. And you'll be like, what a great morning in church this morning, man. But uh, I'm not done yet. Bananas. Let's talk about bananas for a second, shall we? How many of you have ever grabbed a banana by the top and ripped that bit off and the top bit came off, but the peel still stayed on there? Ever, anyone that happened to? I said, very annoying problems. So here's the life hack. Are you aware that you're opening it from the wrong end? Monkeys, who I think it's reasonable to say are the experts in uh, knowing how to properly open a banana, we'd call it peeling, uh, monkeys call it opening. um, They actually refer to the other end as the top and they peel it from that end. And they never, because of that, have the issue of having it break off and they get straight in. So... There you go. It does come, this particular life hack though, it does come with a PSA and the PSA is, is when you do that, you need to actually really pinch down on the end before you peel it because if you don't, you run the risk of leaving that black umbilical cord in there. And have you ever chomped down on the black umbilical cord? It is just wrong. <laughs> life hack. Number two. All right, well, let me give you some more life hacks. These ones come from the Bible and uh, no less useful. In fact, probably more useful. Last week, we talked about hacking worry with trust. And this opportunity that we have as followers of Jesus to get to a place of understanding of who God is, that we would actually trust in God's care so that we can trust Him with our cares, that we know that God loves us and, 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 is, and is not just interested in us, but that he's actually willing to take on our cares, but we have to actually offer them to him. And if we do, we can actually hack worry with trust. Today, I wanna actually talk about hacking happiness with gratitude. Now, happiness is good. If you think about it, the opposite of happiness is sadness. And sadness is not good. So we like happiness, but one thing that you 've undoubtedly discovered is that happiness is slippery it 's like a slippery bar of soap that you can have it one second and something happens that 's unexpected and boom it 's gone in an instant a, a, a circumstance something knocks happiness out of your grasp and we live in a in a first world western culture here in Perth that tells us that the secret to happiness is upgrades and experiences. That if we can just get more and have more and do more, that, that we'll be happy. But I walk around our city and I'm just staggered by the amount of unhappy looking people that I pass. You know, you can go to the supermarket. You don't have to hunt and gather anymore. You can just drive and walk in no weapons, no bows, arrows, nothing. Just, you can just go in and, and there is more food and food choices on the shelves than you could probably work your way through in any given year. And yet, have you ever, I mean, that's just mind boggling, right, have you, have you ever looked at the faces of the people walking past you in the aisles of the supermarkets and ever spotted someone looking happy? It's unbelievable to me. And if they are, if you find someone, you think they didn't take their meds that morning. If, 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 if upgrades and experiences are, are what it takes to be happy, we should be, have, have overtaken Disneyland as the happiest place on earth every minute of every day just here in Perth. Uh, a couple of months back, I, I caught a bus. Yep, that's right, Mark caught a bus. I know, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but let's just say it's been a while. And, uh, which is fair enough, I have a Vespa. I love riding my Vespa. Why catch a bus when you can scoot? That's my motto. And, uh, but I had to cart something. I had to go to a store and buy something that was 25 kilos. And uh, Vespa don't take 25 kilos, apart from me. And, so I thought, ah, I got it. I will, I will catch the bus. It was in the city. I'll catch the bus into the city and then I'll get an Uber, put the package in the back of the Uber and, and he can Uber me and the package back, which is what I did. But it's been a while. And I didn't even know how the whole bus kind of system worked anymore. Um, apparently they have their schedule online. It's pretty ha- handy. And uh, I had to uh, ping Rochelle because she... Long story, but was frequenting the public transport system for a period of six months. And, uh, and so I pinged her, Rochelle, what's the payment? How do you pay? Do they still take cash? Yeah, they take cash. Okay, cool. So, and I get in the bus. Buses are magnificent. You, you, look, seriously, you just think about it. Catch a bus. You are now being chauffeur driven in a stretch limousine for three bucks 80. I mean, what's not to be happy about? And yet I'm sitting there and everybody looked miserable. (laughs) But here's my supposition to us this morning that it's gratitude and not accumulation that leads to greater happiness and greater joy. In fact, I wanna take you through a story taken from a slice of Jesus life. And if you have our Elevate app, you can open that and tap the Bible. And it's gonna take you to a a story that Luke retrospectively captured. Now Luke was a doctor uh, around the time of Jesus' death and resurrection. And and, and what Luke did is he'd been hearing after Jesus had died and and risen again, Luke had been hearing so much about this Jesus guy. He wanted to actually find out for himself is what people are saying actually true. So Luke went back uh, through the area and he interviewed, uh, eyewitness, eyewitnesses that had lived and seen and, and th- things happened through the life of Jesus. And he compiled them into a, a book. We call it the book of Luke. It's just simply a, a book of eyewitness accounts compiled by Luke. And here's one of the accounts. And in this account, Jesus was walking towards Jerusalem and he actually, uh, a group of 10 lepers called out to him. And I'll, and I'll get to the story in a minute. But but the thing with leprosy is is, is, is It's unimaginable to us today in first world Western society of just what it meant to have leprosy 2,000 years ago in, in Jesus' time. See, lepers had to identify themselves as lepers and they had to identify themselves as lepers 24, 7, 365. They had to actually mark their faces. They had to actually have always dishevelled hair. They had to actually walk uh, and and sit with their hood or or their garment across their mouth um, so as not to transfer any uh, of the disease to anybody. Lepers weren't allowed to approach people. And if someone was approaching them, they were legally required to scream out as a warning, unclean, unclean. So the person approaching them unwittingly would, would know that there's lepers there and p- probably take an alternative path. Um, safe to say that for lepers, leprosy wasn't uh, something that they had to identify as, it's something that became their identity. It was, it was their entire life and it really consumed them physically It really consumed them emotionally and it also would have consumed them spiritually. And I say that because in that day, anybody with a physical ailment in that part of the world, if you had a physical affliction, um, it was actually uh, believed that any physical affliction that you had was the result of you or one of your forebearers or one of your extended family members having actually done something wrong. And so you were seen because you had this, this disease of leprosy, you're, somebody in your lineage must have done something really wrong. And you were judged not just on your disease, but because of these sins that someone's obviously committed that God's punishing you for. And so there's Jesus walking towards Jerusalem and Luke, Luke's eyewitness account goes back and, and, and records it this way. It happened that as Jesus made his way towards Jerusalem, he crossed over the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as He entered a village, 10 men, all lepers, met Him. And they kept their distance, which remember, they would have been required to keep their distance. They kept their distance, but they raised their voices, calling out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And taking a good look at them, Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests. And the lepers went. And while they were still on their way, they became clean. One thing, a little bit of bonus content there is, is, is you notice that the lepers didn't approach Jesus, they wouldn't have been allowed to. And that, that makes perfect sense on its own. But there are actually accounts in that time of religious leaders, if they were being summoned by lepers or if a leper dare approach them, that they would actually pick up rocks and, and throw them at the lepers to force the lepers to keep their distance. Now, Jesus wasn't a official Jewish religious leader, but he was considered a rabbi in the area. And and the fact that they called out to him with this kind of back notion that that he might be one of those people that's gonna start throwing rocks at them, gives us an idea of just the actual boldness and, and, and healthy audacity that these lepers had and I think there's a bunch of things we can learn just from, from, their, from their story. And one of them is they asked Jesus for mercy. They actually had a clear picture of who Jesus was. See, you wouldn't ask Jesus for mercy if you think Jesus is someone that just brings judgment. You'd run the other way. And yet they had a they had a snapshot, they had an insight that this Jesus, they'd probably been hearing about. Uh, he was becoming pretty famous, rock star in his time. that that He would actually sooner offer forgiveness than judgment. He would sooner offer mercy than punishment. And so they actually asked Jesus for mercy. And I wonder how many of us need mercy in our life. You know, maybe you, 10.30 at night, you grabbed the one liter tub of ice cream and you dispense with the need for a bowl because you're only gonna have two spoonfuls and why bother? dirtying a bowl that you're only gonna have to wash again when you're only having two spoonfuls. And before you know it, that spoon is scraping cardboard off the bottom of that one litre tub. And you think, I am so ashamed. (laughs) Well, that may be true for some people, but let's talk about some of the more serious things that you may be carrying around. Shame that you need mercy for. Maybe you're punishing yourself for something that you said that you regret. Maybe you are punishing yourself for something that you did that you regret, or maybe you've been punishing yourself for something that was done to you that you didn't deserve and and didn't bring on yourself, but because you maybe had some predator or some other person do something to you that you've actually been carrying that around, and that may be the very thing that you need to ask Jesus for mercy. It may be the very thing that you've been distancing yourself or ducking for cover from Jesus for because you expected that He was going to offer rejection and not mercy. But I want to communicate as clear as I possibly can this morning is that Jesus is not gonna punish you if what you're calling out to Him for is mercy from the thing that you need mercy for. And, 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 and Brene Brown, who's a very high profile speaker and author, in the area of, of guilt and shame and psychology, she actually uh, makes a pretty healthy and, and important distinction between guilt and shame. Because some of the things we do, we, we just feel guilty about and we can kind of unravel that. But there's, there's this deeper thing that we can carry around that's far more uh, pernicious to, to our health and our joy and our happiness. And it's this thing called shame. You see, guilt says, I did something bad. Whereas shame says, I am something bad. Renee Brown gives a little kind of checklist, lifts us off some stuff that we can feel shame from. Shame is getting laid off from work and having to tell your pregnant wife. Shame is raging at your kids who can't defend themselves. Shame is hearing my parents fight through the walls and wondering if I'm the only one who feels afraid. Shame is internet porn. Shame is my boss calling me an idiot in front of a client. Shame, shame is hiding the fact that I'm in recovery. You see guilt says I made a mistake, but shame says I am a mistake. And, and shame snowballs. And ducking and covering and, and hiding and, 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 and living in the shadows, it, 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 it doesn't actually hold shame at bay it doesn't just maintain, it actually snowballs and actually drives you deeper into a state where you are actually not experiencing the joy, it will steal your joy and it, and it drives a deeper and deeper wedge between you and Jesus. And some of our shame is physical, just like it was for the lepers. You know, the lepers over time would, would lose, um, would lose uh, fingers and would lose toes, they'd lose feeling and so they couldn't feel pain and so, so they'd often actually experience uh, damaging things to, the, to their extremities without actually feeling the pain at the time to have the, the normal reaction that one would have. Um, they would lose whole limbs at times and, and, and this was them. They, they couldn't hide this. There was no getting away from it. And, and so whilst leprosy is not a first world disease anymore, thank God, and therefore, none of us have experienced it. Some of us look in the mirror and, and, and we see some things that we feel physical shame about. Some of us look in the mirror and we think we're too fat or too thin or too bald or too old or too young. Some of us look in the mirror and they look at a body and, and remember the things they've done to their body. And some people look in the mirror and remember things that were done to their body and, and all they see reflected back from that mirror is shame. And if that's you, I want you to listen real carefully to what I'm about to say. You are the only thing on this planet that was created in God's image. You, you can park yourself down on Cottesloe Beach this evening And even the most magnificent sunset that God creates was not created in His image. Only you and I were created in God's image. Then there was social shame for the lepers. They were outcasts. They weren't allowed to go into the city and nor were they allowed to return home. They just lived in this in-between state, this kind of existence that was sort of non-existent. They, they were expected to be invisible, and just stay out of the way of, of mainstream society. And I wonder if some of you have ever felt social shame. Divorce can have this effect on people. Betrayal by close friends can have this effect on people. Opening your heart up and trusting somebody to, to, to later discover that they went around and echoed what you'd shared with them can lead us to feeling a level of, of social shame. And this is one of the reasons we call ourselves Elevate Church. Is our job is not to put people down. Our job is to lift people up. You know, we live in a gang mentality society. Have you noticed that? You ever play the game Stacks On when you're in high school? Does everyone know the game Stacks On? So you throw someone on the ground and you go, Stacks On! And you jump on first and then, and everyone keeps on. You know, we live in a Stacks On culture where somebody gets called out and everyone just starts, Stacks On! Jump on Facebook, Stacks On! Notice that? What about if you're the first one In there, when someone gets thrown down, but your job isn't to call stacks on, your job is to lift them up. Because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus still does. He had a woman thrown in front of Him, caught in adultery, thrown on the ground, everyone looking down on her. The first thing He did was lift her up. Lift her up. Tax collector, up in a tree. Yes, physically elevated, but socially frowned upon, looked down upon, and Jesus looked up at him and called out his worth to him, spoke about his future, his potential, who he was created to be, what he could break free from, that he didn't have to live with the social shame anymore. If only there was a church that's commitment was to elevate people, not put them down or throw them down or call stacks on when they are down. Well, we are committed to being that church. You know, I was talking with the team this morning. Some of your family and friends have have said no to every invitation you've given them to come to the church, to come to your church, to come along to your church, even on Christmas where you're sort of meant to, because they think that God's going to judge them in many cases. They think that maybe the roof's going to collapse because they walked in. And even if it doesn't, the lightning's still going to come from somewhere. And yet, Here's Jesus, one of the many examples where, where, where people who were despised and looked down on called out to Jesus for mercy, and he gave them mercy. And then there's spiritual shame the lepers. God could never forgive us because, again, they thought their disease was because of something they'd done wrong or something someone else in their lineage had done wrong. Well, God could never forgive us because this is just getting worse, not better. And God could never use us. I mean, our job's just to sit here and stay out of the way. God could, could never use us. God's obviously angry at us. And yet, Jesus, when he sent them on their way, the eyewitnesses said that as they went on their way, they became clean. In in fact, they didn't just say they became healed, but actually they became clean because healing is an external thing and often we need some physical healing, but actually Jesus didn't stop with physical healing. He actually took a deep dive into their internal world and cleansed them. The thing that you and I need more than physical healing every minute of every day is to live forgiven and to live knowing that we're, forgiven so what area or areas do you need to ask Jesus for mercy and in a few minutes time we're going to actually celebrate communion together and Louis is going to lead us in that and one of the that's going to be a great opportunity for you what, what what is it that comes to mind physical shame social shame spiritual shame anything that's causing you separation anything that's causing you to be living and experiencing less than God's best love and forgiveness. What is it that you need to call out? Jesus, Jesus, give me mercy for that. Well, we're gonna have that opportunity to do that. One thing it's real easy to miss, this story about the lepers, is that they actually started to walk in faith before they were physically healed. The eyewitnesses said, taking a good look at them, Jesus said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And then they went, and while they were still on their way, became clean. Because here's what was expected of them. In the very rare instance that a leper became physically healed by however, there wasn't, you know, chemists and all that back then, but, but if in the, in the rare occasion that a leper would become healed and clean they they were actually required to go and show themselves to the priest and the priest would kind of give them a little examination and sign off that this person is is healed and can now go home can now get a job can now talk to people and so this is what Jesus was saying is is Jesus said taking a good look at them he said go show yourselves to the priest but here's the thing they weren't healed at that point that they went they went and while still on their way, became clean. And one of the mistakes that we can make is that we, do, we, we hold back from living in, in the victory until we actually see the victory. We, we, we hold back from living in the victory until our circumstances change. We hold back living in forgiveness until we... Feel forgiven. No, forgiveness is something Jesus declares over us. Victory is something Jesus bought for us when He died on the cross. And so you, you and I may have walked in here this morning with a circumstance or some circumstances that haven't been fixed that 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 you are still struggling with, but there is no reason that you can't walk out of here knowing you're forgiven from that situation. Knowing that that, that as you walk in forgiveness, now it's not walking in denial because some of those circumstances will meet you out where you left them. But God starts working on the inside, starts forgiving from the inside, starts cleansing us from the inside. And actually, as we start walking in that forgiveness, walking in that healing, walking in that victory, we start to open ourselves up to experiencing more of that healing and that forgiveness and that victory along the way. Feeling it doesn't make it more true, but it starts to become something that we Experience and then this part of the story. I'm 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 going to read on now from Luke's account. But 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 spoiler, this part of the story is the is the part that blows my mind the most. All right, here's the thing. And, and one of them. So so there was ten. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back, shouting. His gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet so grateful <laughs> he couldn't thank Him enough. And he was a Samaritan. I'll come back to that. And Jesus said, we're not 10 healed. We're the nine. Can none be found to come back and give glory except this outsider and the outsider. And then Jesus said to him, get up on your way. Your faith Has healed and saved you. Now these were ten outsiders, ten lepers, ten people that were meant to be invisible, stay out of the way of mainstream society. This one not only was a leper; he was a Samaritan. So they were they were they were uh, not Jewish insiders. They were outsiders, and they were looked down by Jewish people as being less. In fact, Jewish people would avoid them at all costs. Jewish people would typically not even walk through their area; would go around to avoid them. So this guy's a leper and a Samaritan and yet of the, the, the 10, he's the only one that came back. And Jesus is like, now, if you, if, if you, in case you missed it, Jesus is a bit ticked off here. Yeah, Jesus does get angry, but not as not sinners who's, who ask for forgiveness, <laughs> but at ungrateful people who got forgiveness. Were there not 10? And and, and the one that, that everyone around here thinks, whether you're a leper or not, you're less, you're the one showing the example of how to demonstrate gratitude. Good job, buddy. Man, takes an outsider, a Samaritan, to show us how we should really live. That when Jesus answers your prayers, when He shows you mercy, don't forget to say thanks. Now, before you get all judgy, judgy at the other nine, and you did not have to put your hands up, but I'm put my hand up. I've been guilty of this crime. I, I, I've had Jesus answer prayers for me and I've just kind of moved on real quick. Start the car, start the car. Jesus answered my prayer. And, and not just push pause and say, Jesus, thank you. Yeah, that, don't put your hand up. It's probably it's only me and, and the other nine lepers in history ever. When we make a decision to live with a posture, live life every day with a posture of gratitude, your joy will rise because you'll start seeing life differently. You may not drive your dream car yet, But every time your car starts, say, oh, thank God. (laughs) But don't say it out of relief, say it out of gratitude. (laughs) Every time you pull into the service station, gas station, petrol station, servo, just covering all the bases for our podcast (laughs) listeners. Yeah, petrol's $1.59 a litre, but just be thankful that you have a car to put petrol in and that you can at least afford five of those litres. Live with a posture of gratitude and your joy will go up. If you've been, if you and your spouse have been procreating like rabbits and in the last 10 years and the quietest part of your day is your five minute toilet break. And even then locked nicely in there with a lock on the inside, you're still hearing knocks knocks from the outside. If that's your life situation, rather than rant and rave and think, I just want five minutes of peace alone. How about you be thankful that your kids wanna still hang around with you? Because there may be, and I pray it doesn't happen, but there may be a time in their future where they, when they have a choice, where they no longer wanna hang around with you and you're, you won't be screaming, why won't they leave me alone? You will be screaming, why don't they call me and come visit? Gratitude and living with a posture of gratitude will change your perspective and allow you to live, to hack happiness, which is a good thing, but upgrade that to gratitude, to experience joy, joy that isn't like a bar of wet soap, joy that you can actually grip onto and, and hang to. I wanna introduce you to Garth Callahan. Garth Callahan, if you uh, search for him on socials or online, uh, you'll see he's now become known as the napkin notes dad. And this is Garth with his daughter, Emma. Now, when Emma was just turned 12 years old, which is just about to start high school, Garth was diagnosed with cancer. And Garth didn't know how long he would have to live. And so Garth made a decision that every morning he was gonna pack Emma's lunch. And when he did, he was gonna grab a napkin and he was gonna write a note to her every single day. And hopefully he would write a note for her every single day right through to her graduation from high school. Well, he actually beat cancer the first time around, but it's been diagnosed on three following occasions, but actually is still with us. And through the course of her high school life, he wrote 826 notes on napkins to her so that when she opened up her lunchbox at school, there was a note from dad, a note of encouragement, a note speaking life into her, a note building her up, a note lifting her up, a note reminding her of her worth and her value, a note reminding her of her purpose in life, a note pointing her to true north, a note uh, making sure she knew in that moment on that day that her dad loved her unconditionally despite what was going on around her. Here's, here's a couple of examples of, of Garth's notes. Dear Emma, be somebody who makes everybody feel like a somebody. Love, Dad. Dear Emma, live for something bigger than yourself. Love, Dad. This is one of my favorites. Dear Emma, real princesses fix each other's crowns. Love, Dad. You know that your father, God in heaven, wrote notes for you and for me, we call them, call it the Bible, they've been collected. And we can actually read that and and be reminded of our worth and be reminded of not just who God is, but also who we are and how he sees us. And we can read that and we can hold on to that through every day. We can read that and we can hold on to those promises in any situation, and any circumstance, When when life's on the mountaintop and when life's on, in the valleys, when a, a circumstance is on the mountaintops, when a circumstance is in the valleys. One of the amazing things about life is that, is that we, can actually be, we can actually be simultaneously on a mountaintop and in a valley at the same time in our life, that this part of our life is swinging and this part of our life is sinking. And yet in all of that, we can be reminded that God is who he is, but not only is he who he is, a God who loves you, a God who's willing to extend mercy to you, we can also be reminded who we are. We are not who we think the mirror says we are. We are not who people that put us down said we are. We are not our failures. We are not our mistakes. We are not the things that we identify that didn't go well. We are not the things that were done to us that we had no choice in and that we could, we would do anything to undo and rewind, but we can't because Life doesn't work that way. We are not those things. We are who God says we are. And one of the things that God says we are is He says we are free. Free from shame. Free from regret. We don't have to live buried under the snowball of shame. We can actually live free. We have to surrender ourselves to Jesus to have that true for us. And I think one of the greatest things that <laughs> about Jesus is that He extends that gift of forgiveness and that gift of freedom to us in the form of a gift. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to kind of drum it up, it's actually presented to us. And all we need to do is is take a hold of it and unwrap it. This gift of freedom, this gift of eternal life, this gift of forgiveness, this gift of relationship with God, it's there, ready to be unpackaged. And some of you, you've actually, in fact, I know a lot of your stories, you've actually unwrapped that gift But you've forgotten that it came included with being able to live free. Not just have the knowledge that you were forgiven but that you are forgiven. That we can live forgiven. And you can be a follower of Jesus and still be tied up because of circumstances. Louis, have about you coming? We're gonna take a moment as a church to drill into and be reminded and, and, and ensure we remember this, this gift and the significance of this gift of Jesus dying for us.